Hello. Hi. So I am celebrating my third baby, my bonus baby's first birthday today. Never again will I have a newborn human. I mean, until I'm a grandma, which is going to be in like a thousand years and I'll probably be dead. But yes, I'm, I mean, we, we have a one-year-old. It's amazing, right? And I wrote about this on my Substack over the influence that I want to get all of my newborn parenting advice out there because I know that I'm immediately going to forget it because the brain blacks out this crazy dumpster fire of a time for us because it has to. Otherwise, we would not make more babies. I personally probably cannot make more babies because I am a shriveled up old hag, but I, my brain will still black it out anyway. So I want to talk a little bit. This this episode is for for moms of newborns and pregnant ladies. And when I was in the muck of it, I just wanted to listen to people talk about it. So if that's not you, okay, cool. You don't ha- you don't have to listen. I still love you anyway. But pass this on to a newborn mom in your life because I, they need it. They need to listen to things like this. Here is my very best advice. Number one, you don't need most of the stuff. You really don't. A baby would happily sleep in a box if if you only had a box. And in olden times, a lot of people on, only had a box and, and the people's, the, the baby slept in it. When we had our first baby, we bought so much crap that we didn't need. And I found some of it like deep in a closet the other day. We bought this thing called a munch mitt that, that our baby just chewed on when he was teething. And it was so gross. And he also kind of hated it. And he kept trying to rip it off with his mouth. And he looked sad. But I was like, oh, no, you need this munch mitt. They don't need things. They don't. Babies want to play with a box. They want to chew on your finger. They love chewing on spoons. You don't need most of the stuff. And if you're having a baby shower, ask people to get you things. Ask them to get you cozy, comfy pajamas, nice candles that you like. Ask them to take care of you because you need help and you need stuff more than the baby needs stuff. You also need need adult diapers. I know that that's gross, but a lot of things come out of your body when you get home from the hospital and the hospital will give you maxi pads, which are probably the worst invention ever invented. Buy some adult diapers, your pants, your sheets, everything. Everything will will thank me later. Also, get yourself some cute postpartum sweatpants. Splurge on these because you're going to be wearing these sweatpants or pajamas for a very long time and you deserve it. You deserve to be very comfortable. You do. Because being happy in the first few months after a baby comes is hard. The postpartum period is, I'm just going to say it, it is a clusterfuck dumpster fire of hell and do not let anyone tell you different. The human body and the and brain is is not equipped for the lack of sleep that comes with having a newborn and you will feel completely crazy. Ask for all of the help. Tell your husband ex- or your partner exactly what they need to do and be very specific. Be very specific because a lot of people are going to offer to help but they don't know what you need. So say, hey, I want you to hold this baby so I can take a shower. I want you to do my grocery shopping. I want you to do my laundry. I want you to put away my laundry. I want you to help my toddler make Rice Krispie treats for their stupid treat day that they have at their at their preschool because I just can't do it. Also, I want you to hug my toddler so that they feel loved because I'm holding this screaming baby and I just need that very specific, very specific piece of help 
People are dying to help you. They want to. Let them do it over and over again. Here's one more. This might be controversial. Babies are weird. Like they're, everyone, you, we're inundated with this thing in our culture that says that the second you give birth, you fall madly in love with that baby. And they're, they're kind of these strange looking aliens when they come out. And you probably love that baby, but it is hard to like them right away. And that is okay. That is okay. It is also okay if you want to work while you have your baby. I had my best creative bursts of energy at the end of both my pregnancies with my daughters and my postpartum period. And this is not true for everyone, but for me, I actually wrote my new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance, while I was pregnant and in the postpartum with both daughters. One is four now and the other one is one. I've been writing The Sicilian Inheritance for that long. I really have. Quick commercial for that. Quick commercial. Guys, if you could pre-order that novel right now, because it matters so much, the publishers weirdly, weirdly care about the pre-orders. It matters. And if we can convince every podcast listener to pre-order a copy of The Sicilian Inheritance from anywhere you buy books right this second, then we'll be able to get this amazing novel, this amazing, fun novel that is the best thing I've ever written in so many people's hands. So that was just a, a stupid, quick commercial uh, for for that for that book. I, I love all of you. Thank you for listening to me. I hate myself for doing it. Anyway, I wrote that book during my postpartum period because babies do sleep a lot. And I just felt this creative burst of energy and I had to do something with it. That said, if you don't want to do it, you do you. I also watched a lot of TV. I watched The West Wing. I watched that Harry and Meghan doc series. That was a really good one. Zone out. Lay on the couch when you have time to lay on the couch and you pick a show that is going to be comforting, that is just going to make you feel good. For some reason, the West Wing West Wing does make me feel good because all of this is hard. And you know what else is hard? Breastfeeding. Breastfeeding will sometimes suck. A lot of people won't tell you that. You go into this and you think, this is the most natural thing in the world. It hurt worse than anything has ever hurt in my entire life, including giving birth to my three children. Okay? And so knowing that, I think, makes it easier. You do not have to torture yourself. There are options. Get the baby fed. Do not feel bad about that. I supplemented all three of my children with formula from the very start. I cried the first time that I did it with my first baby, like I was poisoning him or something. I was not. I was not. And you know what? My kids still seem like very smart, lovely, well-adjusted human beings in the world. They do. They're, they're great. They're great. You know who wasn't great when I had my first baby? My husband. He was actually great. But the thing is, you just don't like them as much as you used to like them. And that's okay. It is okay to not be obsessed with your partner, to not like them very much when the baby first comes out. But I'm going to tell you that it gets better. And the two of you are going to figure it out. I hated Nick when I gave birth. I was like, why did we do this together? But clearly, I ended up liking him again because we, we made two more kids after that. Two more pieces of advice. Strength, strange things in your body are going to hurt. They're going to hurt. And it's not just, not just your, your lady parts. Your back, your hip, your arms, your shoulder. Strange things are going to hurt. And the doctors won't believe you. And they will dismiss you. But it is okay to push them and be like, no, this hurts and I want help. Give me all the help. 
Give me all of the drugs that you have, the physical therapy that you have. I want your help because it is not normal for me to continue to pee every time I sneeze and for me to be in pain when I laugh. So yeah, hey doctors, fix this for me and believe me. Last thing, stay away from social media. Get off of it. It's not helpful. It is not helpful right after you have a baby and neither is Google because you will Google every single symptom that they have. And most of the time, the majority of the time, the baby is fine. And Google is going to tell you the worst possible scenario and it will make you feel terrible most of the time. It will, I promise. And so will the Instagrams in the very early days. It is not helpful to scroll. It is not. Today, I am going to talk about all of this with an awesome, awesome lady who I love so much. Her name is Tara Clark, and she has been an Instagram creator for, for a pretty long time. Her stuff always makes me laugh, and sometimes it makes me cry. But it just it makes me feel like I've been seen, which there are not a lot of things on social media that make you feel seen. So when you're ready to come back up for air, please follow Tara at Modern Mom Probs. She's great. And today we are just going to talk about, we're, we're going to talk some shit, actually. We're going to talk some shit about what it is like to be a woman who turns into a mother. Because you are totally different on the other end of this. You are a different person. And society needs to recognize that. You need to recognize that. I see it. I know it. And I know that you're going to be okay. I promise you're going to be okay. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. And you're loved. And you're going to get through this. I promise. Now, here is my conversation with Tara Clark of Modern Mom Probs. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my God. Thanks for coming on. I love chatting with you. And today you and I are, are just going to, we're just going to shit talk. We're just going to, just going to get into it. What do you think we should talk about today? I do have a good topic that I want to bring up. So earlier this week, I posted a post. I did not write it. It was not an original post. It was a post complaining more or less about all of the expectations that are put on us as mothers. Can I read a little bit of it just for context and then we could kind of go in on that? Okay, let, let's, let's see if I pull it up quickly enough. Here we go. This is the post. So you're telling me I'm supposed to keep my child alive, educate and play with them, keep them off their tablets and TV, keep the house clean keep my relationship alive, cook meals, and keep my bills on track, have my own career and aspirations and goals, and manifest my dream life, meditate, go out with my friends, and keep my relationships alive because it's not all about being a mother, be a size eight, walk 10,000 steps a day, and work out five times a week, and eat healthy, and do all of this on four hours of sleep. Cool, cool, cool. And it's doing incredibly well because so many people are feeling seen. It's really resonating with them. I want to repost it and tag you because I, I feel that so hard. The expectations on mothers today are so insane. And I genuinely believe that social media and Instagram only makes them worse because we're seeing people like, 
you know, and I don't like to shit on any one account. So I'm not going to name this person. But it is a human being with four boys who constantly posts their, like, I have four, as a mom of four boys, this is how I get this done. I wake up at 5.30 in the morning and I take a cold shower and I whip myself in the back to feel the pain before getting up and homeschooling them all day. And that's an exaggeration and I'm being sarcastic. But I'm just saying, accounts like that make us feel like we're not doing enough. And she's just trying to sell us stuff. She's just trying to sell us her her classes and her programs. I don't know if she really does any of that. But they're designed. They're designed to make us feel terrible and feel like none of us are doing enough, right? That's exactly what it is. And I think that's why this post is resonating with so many people. I mean, there's a lot of different parts about it that people were latching on to, right? One was that people were like, oh, we're allowed to be a size eight. But I think that post was from someone from the UK and the UK size eight is a US size four. Oh, interesting. Because that's funny because I was about to say, oh my gosh, I'm a size eight right now. So you're like, that's awesome. I feel good about myself. So a lot of people sort of like latched on that as like, oh, is that cool? But I think it's a, a size difference based upon UK, US thing. But another thing that was really interesting is then people started going in on feminism. Like, that's what you bitches get for wanting feminism. And I was like, what? Okay. Okay. This is something that I'm hearing a lot lately because I've done so many episodes on trad wives and a lot of the attacks that I'm getting or the attacks that I get when I say things like, I'm exhausted. I can't do it all are from people saying, well, this is what you wanted. You wanted to work outside the home. You wanted to be a feminist. You wanted all of the things. And look, you cannot have all of the things, can you? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. I was so floored when I saw those comments and, and the frequency of them. It wasn't like just one person. It was like a decent amount that they were really going in on that. And and I've always said this from the beginning of starting my account is that, you know, the world has shifted. We used to have an in-person village with your aunts and your cousins and more sisters and your mother who lives nearby and all of those things. And people were willing to help out. And now, obviously, I don't have to tell you this because you know this, but we are such so much more segmented than we used to. Families may be smaller. Our moms are either still working or they're doing their own thing. You know, we may not have as many sisters to come help us out, right? So, like, we are lacking that in-person village. And that's how we struggle the way that we do, in addition to the systemic things, obviously, that we've talked about so many times, you know, like not having paid maternity leave, all of that. But those are how we get to where we are right now. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I just did a post on the on the Substack uh, over the influence for all of my advice for a brand new mom. I just read it about five minutes ago. No joke. Because, yeah, my bonus baby, she's going to turn one very soon. And I'll forget. I will forget everything because you, we are programmed to erase it from our hard drives immediately. 
after their first birthday. But I have to say that I think that the modern postpartum newborn period, we are more alone than we've ever been before. Women, women since the beginning of human beings raised these children in a village. I do not think that the lack of sleep was nearly as acute ever in the history of time because other people were taking that baby away from from mothers. Other people were helping to feed that baby. Other people were letting mothers rest when they needed to rest. And it is lack of sleep that drives us insane. It is. I mean, that there's a reason that prisoners are tortured um, by keeping them from falling asleep. And that is why so many of us suffer so badly in the postpartum period, because it was never like this. There was always a village to take that baby. I do believe that we have it harder as mothers now than mothers have ever had it in the history of, of mothers. Yeah, because we just simply aren't there in person. It's wonderful that we're friends online, that we have friends that live all over the country and all over the world, and we can you know, have that camaraderie. But guess what? At three o'clock in the morning, no one's coming into my house and, and taking care of this baby. You know, when, when my son was born, we were living in New York City. And what you just described was exactly my postpartum experience in as much as we had my son, uh, I didn't have any help, and my brain was absolutely on fire. I remember that's how I always described it. My brain was on fire to the point where like, I couldn't even think straight. You could like hardly see straight. I didn't have anyone come and help me. My husband was home for two weeks, which was amazing. But he like pulled together like all of his like vacation time. He didn't he got one day of maternity leave, which was like the day my son was born. And and he works in a hospital. So you'd think that they would care, but they don't. Um, no, they don't. So he was able to like pool all of his vacation time to stay home with me for a few weeks, which thank goodness he was. But my, I got to tell you a funny story. My mother and my in-law, uh, my mother-in-law, they came in to help me, and I'm using this in quotes, for one day. And this, this was how they came to help. They drove in together. They live about 15 minutes apart. They live in New Jersey. They drove in together. I think my father-in-law dropped them off. And they were like, okay, Tara, we're going to help you. And I was like, oh, this is great. Thanks, guys. And so they're like, you go take a shower. And let me tell you, it, it was a wonderful, hot, skin-burning shower. I took my time. I washed my hair. I think I shaved my legs. Like, I really took my time on that shower. Yeah. That's the best shower you're ever going to take is that, like, first shower when you're out of the hospital and someone else is holding the baby but you smell weird like you smell like someone who just had a baby and you i also i turn that shower up the hottest it'll go and they just burn me it was scalding my skin and i was loving every second of it and so then i get out of the shower i put on clothes i can even remember i think i was wearing a green sweater you know it's weird that things that you remember so then they go and they say oh we're gonna go get our eyebrows done and I was like, oh, OK. They're like, yeah, you know, we saw a threading place downstairs because, like I said, I lived in New York City. There's a threading place downstairs. We're going to go get our eyebrows done. I was like, oh, <laughs> OK, guys. And so I'm thinking that they're going to be gone for like, you know, what, 10 minutes tops. They go for like freaking two hours. They get lost at this point. I don't even know where they are. And I mean, I care, but I don't care. Right. And then after a while, I'm like, I. Like, should I call somebody? They're like not answering their phones. Maybe they left their phone in my apartment. I don't even remember. Long story short, they came back two hours later. And I was like, where the freak were you? And they're like, oh, well, 
you know, we got our eyebrows done and then we like wanted to go shopping a little bit. And then so we went around and then I think we went to Starbucks and I was like, you guys came to help me with the baby. And so then I think they left like an hour or two later and then that was it. And that was the only postpartum help I received. Yeah. Yeah. And that story, I think, is true for a lot for a lot of women. I I was with my first baby. I was totally totally on my own because we lived in San Francisco and couldn't afford childcare there. Uh, and I had just saved up and saved up and saved up to be able to not work because I also, you know, was freelancing. And so you don't get maternity leave when you work for yourself. And my husband had to work all the time. And I was just, when, when I was in it, I didn't even think it would, postpartum depression, I think is such a shit word because it's not even depression. It's like, you feel like a crazy person. You feel like you're failing, like you're you're not just exhausted. Your I I your brain becomes a hot mash of meatloaf that is incapable of doing anything else. Mm-hmm. It's a dumpster fire of a lump of meat, is what it is. Yeah, it's just a big like brain mound, like a big lump. And then someone shits on it is what happens. That's that's what it was. And, and on fire, too, like a big dumpster fire. That's it. And then and then your boobs are hurting. And then you got to go change a diaper. You have to do all of the things. I know. It's just, well, I want to talk more about how social media contributes to this and how you've carved out a niche on social to make moms not feel like a dumpster fire of shit. First, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back more with Tara Clark of Modern Mom Problems. We are back and we were just talking about how the postpartum brain is a steaming mash of meatloaf that's in a dumpster on fire. The things that I think that you do on Instagram, you are one of the only mom influencers or you're you're now you're one of the only influencers that I regularly not only scroll but I go to I go to find you. And that's a big deal because you, you can, anyone can come up on your scroll. But if I want a dose of happiness, I go to your account because I think that you are giving moms a dose of reality, a dose of humor, and a dose of what we fucking need. Oh, Joe, first of all, I'm going to cry because that was like the nicest compliment that I've ever been paid. So thank you. I thank you. God, thank you. I appreciate that so much. So the, the thing about Modern Mom Probs is that... motherhood is not just one thing. It's just not, right? As as we as women are not just one thing. You know, we're not just moms. We're not just partners. We're not just, you know, I don't know, writers. We're we're a lot of things. We're a mosaic, right? And and I think that motherhood is the same thing. And so what I tried to do with Modern Mom Probs is show all of that. You know, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's inspiring. Sometimes it's really real and raw. And it's all of those things. It's not just all of one thing. And in my mind, I always like to say that if it fits underneath the umbrella of a modern mom problem, I'm going to talk about it. So whether it's postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, miscarriage, um, your three-year-old shitting in the corner, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to talk about any and all of those things. Mine pooped at the brewery once, the brewery that we go to um, up in the Catskills. You know, they cried wolf and 
said they had to go to the bathroom. We went to the bathroom nine times. Nothing happened. And then four minutes later, just pooped, pooped right on the ground in front of a lot of people at a beautiful brewery in the Catskill Mountains. Did you get kicked out? No, the owner has children our children's age and was also was standing right there and was just like, I get it. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? There's dogs here and dogs poop too. And my kid just did what a dog does. So yeah, yeah, we cleaned it up. Yeah. See, I think, well, of course, right. You disinfect all that. But you know what's interesting? You just said something that I think sums up everything. She said, I get it. He said, wait, wait, wait. You, ass- you assumed it was a mother. You assumed it was mother. He said, I get it. Oh, he said, excuse me. Oh, I assumed. See, I'm a jerk. Uh, He, yeah, I get it. And that's what you need to surround yourself with. You need to surround yourself with people who say, I get it. I wrote a meme like years ago that said, you know, if I'm not going to paraphrase it correctly, but it's something along the lines of like, all you ever need is one friend to say, I get it. And and that's the thing. And that's the whole thing about modern mom probs, right? Is like I said, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's inspirational. But I want people to say, yes, Tara, I get it. I feel seen. I know what you're going through. And and that's my whole point in doing what I do. How did you start this account? Like when when did you get on the whole the whole gram? Um, 2016. It was early. I'll tell you the full story. That's early. That's early days. Yeah. Tell me the story. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you a full story, but I'll, I'll but I'll condense it. In February of 2016, I said to my friends and family, I'm going to start an Instagram account about parenting. And my friends and family were like, what? Like, that doesn't even, that's not even a thing. At that point, people were like, you know, taking pictures of their lattes and their sandwiches with a filter on Instagram. So I was like, no, 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 it's going to be a thing. I'm going to, I'm going to make it a thing. And they're like, okay, good luck. And so um, it was called NYC Mom Probs because um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Upper East Side Moms Instagram page. It's ludicrous. And so actually, that is what inspired me to start my account. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Well, well, tell me, for people that, were, that are not familiar with the Upper East Side Moms Instagram account, tell people what that was like. It is, it almost seems fictitious, but these posts are real. I'll give you an example of one that just happened this past week, and I actually shared it on my Instagram account. One mom was saying, you know, my first baby was very svelte, and now my second baby is very, is a little bit chubbier. But we still love him. No, no. At least they love him. At least they love him. But we're looking for diapers that fit his chunkier body. So then there was a woman. So that post came out in July. Then there was a woman just about a week ago was like, whenever I'm having a bad day, I think about the post where the woman called her child heavy and said, but we still love him. And so I posted that on on Instagram and it just like went bananas because people were like, oh, well, at least they still love him. At least they still love him. So those are the types of things, right? People are talking about their, you know, $20 million mansions out in Montauk, all, all of that kind of stuff. The stuff that you would see on Gossip Girl, but it's real. And so you funnel that down into a mom's group and you and you put it up on the Upper East Side. So that's the context there. So just laughing about all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, the women, like, they always have, they're beautiful. They have, like, their blowouts and their manicures and all of that kind of stuff. They're really pretty. Yeah. Yeah, they look nice. And, you know, I was living in the Upper East Side, and I was lucky if, like, my socks matched or, you know, my hair was washed or any of those kinds of things. And so um, I started my Instagram account, NYC Mom Probs, talking about the things that 
New York City moms may have to deal with that other moms in other parts of the country wouldn't. You know, $40,000 a year, private kindergarten, all of that kind of stuff. Like the process even getting into kindergarten, all of that kind of stuff. Which is now happening in so many other cities in America. It is. It is. It is. Yeah, it is. It's not just a, a, a new New York problem anymore. It's not. I mean, it's worth now. It's like eighty thousand dollars kindergarten in New York. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's bananas. Yeah, because now my son is eleven, right? So it would have been you know a long time ago. Right. Yeah. 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 But like now, I moved to Philly to try to avoid that, and it's we look. We send our kids to a great public school, but it was still like fierce. We we couldn't. There's a preschool right across the street from our house. And I want life to be so easy that I was like, I will do anything. Like, I'll pay anything if the preschool is across the street from our house. We couldn't get in. Couldn't get in. Yeah, the wait list was too long. Wow. I believe that. I When my son was in um, nursery school or heading into nursery school, we went through, because for some reason we thought this was the right thing that you were supposed to be doing, we went through all of the processes and the interviews and all of that kind of stuff for these preschools. It was ridiculous, but um, but we did it and it was ridiculous. And so then we decided to move out of the city. We moved to the suburbs. And when we moved to the suburbs, I had an existential crisis of like, I don't have New York City problems anymore. What do I have? And so I was like, I have modern mom problems. And then the account just took off from there because it is much more relatable. And so that was it. So that was in 2017. So yeah, I've been doing this for a hot minute. And even before that, I used to work at Nickelodeon and I worked in social media at Nickelodeon. I was Dora the Explorer on Facebook. Shut up. Yeah, it was, it was weird. No, I was like a social media coordinator there um, for a year. Um, and before that, I worked underneath the head of digital at Nickelodeon. And now he runs Sesame Street. So yeah. Yeah. It's amazing the trajectory of our careers. I think about this so much because I have no idea what my career is going to look like in five years. And if you'd told me five years ago about, I started the committed podcast about six years ago, six or seven. If you had told me then that I would be a nearly full-time podcaster, I would have laughed my ass off. I was like, this is just a fun little thing that I'm doing. But I write big, ma important magazine articles. <laughs> no one's going to listen to these podcasts. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think you've done such a good job of turning out content that is relatable. Because there's so much content on Instagram that is not relatable. And this is one of the things that I wrote about in the Substack today where I said, I desperately want new moms to just get off social media because I didn't for my first two kids. And I did for the third with bonus baby. I, I did get off the social media uh, and I watched so much good TV, like so much good TV instead of scrolling. And so, whereas with my first two, I would scroll social media while I was like feeding them at night or like, you know, trying to get them to go to sleep. This time I watched The West Wing and that was so much better because nothing is more soothing than a bunch of people in the 90s with really nice hair solving the world's problems in 45 minutes. Yeah. And then it was the 90s and like everything was kind of going well at that point, more or less. I watched a shit ton of television when Jack was a baby. Um, I watched Orange is the New Black and Downton Abbey. 
And those, like in my mind, I will forever associate those shows with him being a newborn because we watched a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I hear, I actually hear the West Wing theme song now if I were to hear it out in public. And I think despite the fact that my boobs are dried up, shriveled, sun-dried tomatoes, uh, I would. I think I would let down. I think milk would just start flowing if I if I heard it. That's what would happen if I heard the beginning of Downton Abbey, you know, like the the, the first couple of chords of that song. Whoosh, you whoosh, it would come right down. That's absolutely true. But you know, it's funny that you were saying about staying off social media. I I agree. I you know, I started social media because I wanted to start start a page. I was in the biggest city in America, lonely. I had you know no friends who had children my age. My friends were working in and like. Working in as much as like they were like single, you know, childless at that point. Um, and I was looking to connect with people and I didn't know how to, else to connect with people. So I started my own village and, and it really just, you know, took off from there. But, you know, what's interesting in since the, I don't know, five, six, seven years, I'm bad at math. You know, I've seen so much change. But the one thing that I really have been sort of like leaning into a lot lately is like the social commentary of all of this, which obviously you talk about. And, you know, just this week I had Stephanie McNeil on my podcast and I told her, she's great, she's great. And I told her that she was like my last infinity stone on my Thanos gauntlet. And I'll explain what I mean by that, I, of, of mommy influencer social critics. So I had you on my podcast. I had Sarah Peterson, who I love, Catherine Joser Morton, um, who else did I have? Um, Jessica Elefante, um, Stephanie, you know, like all of those people I feel are, are like my different infinity stones for my Thanos gauntlet of talking about the influencer industry. Because now in, you know, 2023, 2024, it's almost impossible to be on social and not be looking at it through a certain social lens, com social commentary lens. Totally. Yeah. Well, and I think it helps. I think it helps because it makes the scroll less mindless, right? If you think about the commentary around it, if you think about how all of this was created, you're less likely to feel crappy about it. I think my kids are going to come in. I hear them. I hear them rumbling. They're rumbling. I, I have one sick kid home today. Um but she, and she was sick yesterday, but and now and now I think she's fine, which means she's just like running around the house. Um, but you know, you're like, oh, I want you to rest. Please go watch Dora the Explorer. Uh, no, I just totally lost my train of thought. Oh, but I think that it helps because you know you're less likely to feel crappy. You're less likely to compare yourself to people when you know that they're that this is a business. And if you can think about like what are what is someone trying to sell me. So you're telling me that you're so amazing at raising five children and homeschooling, but all you want to do is sell me your course. And if I buy this course, you know what it's, prob what, what it's probably going to be? A PDF. Here's $500 for the PDF. Yes. Can I have $500? Okay. Can I just, can I just give you $500 for, um, a PDF of, of your daily routine, which that's some of that, that's what some of these are. They really are. Um, or I, Someone sent me an account yesterday. I get sent so many, so many different accounts that I should probably uh, just start sending them out in the newsletter because I think people will get a kick out of them. And 
it's this woman who she's older. It was interesting. She was m- m- probably in her. She looked like she was in her 60s and talks about how she's raised five kids and has 30 years experience mothering and has a lot of posts about how to honor your husband and take care of your house. And then she's just trying to sell me some goddamn energy drink powder. But there's still there are still some bright spots on on the Instagrams, uh, much like your account. What is the most popular thing you've ever posted? Gosh, um, I can think of two things off the top of my head. One, I posted a reel about um, regulating yourself when before dealing with your children so that you could like calm yourself down, walk away, count to 10. It was sort of just like a tip and trick about about parenting um, and maintaining your own regulation. And that did wildly well. And then recently, yeah. And then recently I um, made a reel where it's um, Mr. Rogers saying, I'm really proud of you. And my caption on the top, it was like me to me when I put my phone down and start like when I stop scrolling my phone and start doing chores. And people really appreciated that one. People love anything that has to do with social media and Instagram. And again, I think that's the meta part of that. And I don't mean meta in as, you know, the company that owns Facebook. I mean, like, it is very meta to be talking about social media on social media, right? And, and people, uh, people love that. And so I think that's really um, a big one. I have a, a quote that I wrote years ago that was something like along the lines of, um, be the friend you wish you had when you had newborns. And that goes back to our um, original conversation about the postpartum uh, friendship and village and all of that kind of stuff. Another one, which I think is really funny, and people don't know this so much, is that I, I wrote a meme again several years ago, and it said, no one prepares you of the transition of going from mama to mommy to mom. And then another woman who has an account called, um, I think it's Mom Truth Bomb, she added the bra. So now you see that all the time. It's like, you know, mama, mommy, mom, bro. Um, and that's just really funny. But yeah, so that I, I wrote like the original, original one, like, you know, years and years ago. Which age do you think is the hardest? I have a three-year-old that just turned four and I'm hoping it gets better, but it's it's escalating. And I have a six-year-old who's amazing right now, but it was hard, was hard for a long time. Um, but now... He's so rational and lovely. And... It's funny that you say that. Okay, so I have an 11-year-old. He just turned 11 last week. And between 18 months and three years old, he tantrumed so hard we chose not to have more children. It was a lot. It was a ticking time bomb just about anywhere you went. It was all hands on deck. I mean, when I say all hands, I mean just me and my husband. But um. It was a lot. Um, and then when he turned three, it definitely lessened. And then by three and a half and then four, it was good. I remember when this was all going on, my son, my husband used to jokingly say to me about my son, like, oh, just be six. Just be six. Just be six already. Because six-year-olds are so rational. And now he's 11. And I think back at that, I was like, God, that was five years ago when he was saying just be six. So it really does, you know, go by quickly. But we had a lot of issues with the tantruming. And again, this was pre-Instagram parenting expert stuff, if that makes sense. And so we were like really out there in an island alone trying to to handle all of this kind of stuff. I wish I would have had all the stuff that we have now. I mean, the problem is this. There's a lot of information overload. 
everyone and their mother is giving you advice about this kind of stuff. Literally everyone. And I get sent a lot of parenting books. I get sent all of the parenting books. And I actually do read through most of them. And I have to say, they really have helped me become a better parent um, in figuring out my own way to parent. You know, I, I consider myself like a conscious parent because like I, I'm in tune with myself to be in tune with him. It's, you know, it's like a whole thing. But like I said, I've read so many parenting books. My, my closet is like over or my bookshelves are like overflowing with parenting books because there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of really good advice. There's a lot of people out there that don't have a lot of good advice, too. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, I think that there's some good to be gleaned from so from a lot of different kinds of advice. And I, when you can cherry pick and just listen to what resonates with you, I like that. I don't like, I do think that a lot of the parenting advice influencers have leaned into mom shaming too hard and I don't like that because again they're shaming you to sell something there's some that I just adore that I'm so happy that they are on Instagram so that they're easily available to people I'm obsessed with Emily Oster yeah she's great she's so she's coming on the show she's coming on the show in a couple weeks and I just think she's so smart and you know I was an economics major undergrad and just taking economic data and translating it to parenthood, that's the kind of parenting advice that I want. But and, and from actual real experts. I love pediatricians on Instagram, actually, people who are real live doctors in the world. Uh, I'm just so skeptical of people that create these parenting coaching accounts, right? It's like the parenting coach is the, is the new life coach. And I'm like, what? The, did you have a kid? Is that why you're qualified to coach me? Because... I've got three, and I shouldn't be telling anyone what the fuck to do. That is definitely indicative of what's going on on social right now, with without a doubt. Yes, w without a doubt, it's it's a lot. It's it's a lot to weed through. I can't imagine being a brand new parent having to have this influx. Like I said, for me, people at that point on social were just like posting pictures of like sandwiches and stuff. Right? It was not anywhere near to the level it is now. Yes, we had Facebook and yes, we had Twitter. Instagram wasn't really so much a thing, you know, 11 years ago. Um, it was, but like they weren't doing, you know, selling courses and stuff like that. But I have to say, and I, I really, I meant this and this, this is true. I think that I am a better parent because of the different things that I've gleaned from Instagram and the conversations that I've had with people over the years the overwhelming amount of parenting books that I've been sent and that I've read throughout the years. And so I've done my own research. You know, I've done my own work. God, I, I, that sounds terrible. I hate when people say shit like that. I've done my work. I've worked on myself. Done my work. Oh, God, Tara, stop it. <laughs> you stop it right now, Tara. But I, I think it's sort of like part of my job is like, you know, if I'm going to, um, you know, talk to somebody about their their book or or sort of, um, you know, endorse something. I obviously need to know about it in order to do it. You know, I'm not going to just like shill for stuff just for the sake of shilling. I have to say that doing all the research for both this show and then also all the research I used to do for Committed, which was my show about marriage, uh, which I love so much. And but I no longer own it, so I don't promote it as much. It, uh, yeah, iHeart refuses to give it back to me. Uh 
I learned, I think, how to be a better partner because I was talking about marriage so often. And that's just the value of conversation, of of constantly talking about these things that matter so much. And again, that just brings us back to the village, like who is in our village and how can we have these open and honest conversations, not just about being a mother, but being a woman in the world, which is not easy. It's not easy. And that's that's also why these attacks saying, well, you wanted feminism are not helpful, because frankly, it's not easy for a lot of women that have also chosen to stay home, um, even the more extreme versions, the trad wives, being a woman moving around in the world is difficult. And just creating divisions is incredibly unhelpful. The echo chamber of social media is such bullshit. It really is. I, you know, I'm working on a piece that might end up being controversial. I'm writing it for Bustle about what I've learned talking to so many trad wives and reporting on trad wives that has improved my own marriage. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce this off everyone right now because I want to see what see what happens. It's what I think is very useful in the world of hashtag trad wives is the delineation of of tasks and roles. And what is so much harder in a partnership where you say, but we're equal, we both do it all, is that there's no definition of doing it all. There's no, there's no guidelines for how to make that work. And I do think that we have to do more work then to assign the roles, right? To say, okay, you are the person that is fully in charge of all of our children's doctor's appointments. You are the person who is fully in charge of all of home repair. Um, those have to be assigned because I think knowing your role, knowing knowing what you're supposed to be doing is comforting. It is comforting and it does. And then there then there is less friction. But if you are in a partnership where you're like, oh, but we we're equal. We both do things. That's not enough. And Eve Rodsky says this all the time. I love Eve. She's amazing. She just made my day because she told me that she was reading the Sicilian Inheritance. She was, she was reading the Sicilian Inheritance while, while in Tokyo. And I'm just like, I love you so much. So much. It's such a good book. You've read you've. Oh, you've read it. Oh, my God. I read it. It's one of my favorite books that I've ever read because as a Sicilian American, it really like resonated with me. And my family's from the Palermo area and it's set in Palermo, whereas my husband's family is from the Syracusa side, which is the eastern side of the island. Which is different. It's a different part. Yeah, it's totally different. Totally different vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were one of my earliest readers. And I, I was so nervous when you were reading it, but I'm so glad. So glad that you loved it. It's incredible. I, I could literally sit and talk about that for the next 30 minutes because it is one of my favorite books of all time. I may read it a second time and I don't read it a second time. You should read it a second time. I'll come. Well, I'll come on Modern Mom Probs closer to pub and I will talk about it for 30 minutes. And also, you and I are going to do a party together. We're going to do a cannoli and cheese and wine party um, when Sicilian Inheritance comes out in April. I will be there. I will drive down to Philly. It's an hour and 45 minutes away from home. We're going to do it. We're going to eat and drink and just have a fucking blast because that's the point of the Sicilian Inheritance. And I I do feel like a broken record because I'm asking people to pre-order. It's so annoying that I have to do that. But the publisher, like when they see the pre-orders go up, then they print more books. So it's just I have to ask, even though I feel like an asshole asking people to order a book that isn't coming out till April. 
but it helps so much that you can't even underestimate it. So I'm just a broken record over here. No, but the thing is this. The book is really good. And I could see if you said that, like, in your book sucked, then I'd be like, yeah, I, I get that. I see it. But, like, your book's extraordinary. The story is extraordinary. I couldn't put it down. I was mad any time that I got interrupted that I would, like, have to put it down to go do something because I was I was in it. I was I was there with my people. I was in it. Oh, I love hearing that. Make that, war that warms my cold dead heart because I... I love this book more than anything I've ever written, and I'm just, I just want all the people to read it. I want to get it to all of the humans. If I could give it away for free to everyone, I would. But the publisher really would like that. They would be unhappy about that. I want to leave the, our listeners with, with some happiness and some joy. You're a person who is extremely online because it is your job. What do you derive joy from on Instagram? Who do you like to follow? And who, because I am all about our listeners curating their feeds so that it only brings them joy. So who is in your feed that brings you genuine joy? Oh, gosh, that is there's just so many people. But I'll just I'll just throw out some of my names of my good friends. Uh, Libby Ward from Diary of an Honest Mom. Uh, Nikki Marie. She lives just outside of Boston. She's freaking hilarious. You would get along with Nikki very well. She is a riot. Um, Caitlin Murray from Big Time Adulting. There's 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 so many. I mean, I can't even. It's one of those things like, you know, when there's like the Oscar acceptance speech and you have to like thank all of your people. It's like, everyone, I love you. You know who you are, all of that kind of stuff. But I do think it is so important to curate your feed like that. And, and even when I post things and I write things, I think the same way. You know, like that's why I said like my page is not all of one thing. It's sort of messy and like a mosaic. And as much as like one day I'm feeling upbeat and uplifting and I want people to feel like that another day maybe I'm a little bit more down you know and post about that and like that's okay because that's what motherhood is and that's what being a human is and I think my page reflects that yeah it totally it, re it really does it really does if, and if you scroll through you'll be like oh my gosh I'm feeling this right now this is me this is fucking me right now um and so I I really I want everyone to follow modern mom probs and you and I hope you'll come back will you come back on the show a thousand percent, yes. Can I actually tell you a funny story? You're going to laugh at this. Okay, like two years ago, you spoke at Mom 2.0 and you were on a panel. And I said to myself right then and there, I didn't know you. I didn't know you from Ad. I mean, I, knew, I was familiar with your work, but we didn't know each other personally. And I said to myself, someday, Tara, you're going to get on Under the Influence. And so I checked off my bucket list. Oh, my God. I look. Check it off your bucket list. That's why we have to say out loud the things that we want. I want to become an instant New York Times bestseller. I'm just going to fucking say it out loud. Say it. It's going to happen. I'm manifesting it for you. It's going to happen. We're manifesting it. I'm going to burn some goddamn, shit, goddamn sage right now. Um, I loved having you on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Joe.